What's going on, everybody in the podcast metaverse? Welcome once again to the Everyday Missionary Podcast, episode 236. Yes, I can hold up enough fingers to do that for those watching. We're on episode 236. And today's episode, you ready? The podcast is going to live up to its name. It's all about what it means to be an everyday missionary. Actually, the title of the podcast is the title of the day, kind of. Actually, I think I'm going to title this uh, Evangelism for Normal People, right? Uh, and the reason I'm doing it that way is because I've got opinions on evangelism, Uh Part of my opinions is I don't even love the word evangelism sometimes. I like the word witness a little bit better. Um, evangelism already kind of sounds like a loaded concept. Uh, and so I like the idea of just sharing faith, uh, witness, modeling Jesus, being an example, uh, compelling Christianity. Like there's all kinds of other labels I'd probably choose. But the one that we seem to land on a lot is evangelism. And for you wordsmiths out there, comes from the Greek word euangelion, which is where we get evangelism from. And it means victory, good news, gospel, all of that's kind of tucked in there. So that's kind of the etymology of the word. But I'm going to talk about the heart and the essence of the word, right? Because um, over the course of 30 years of kind of adult Christianity, um, and if I even go back further to maybe the last 40 years, I've, I've, I've been given different tools over the course of time when it comes to how do we share our faith with an individual. And oftentimes I find that I'm not a big fan of the tools, right? So the four spiritual laws, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. I was never a big fan of that because of my philosophical mind and because of where I kind of tend to lean in my thinking, I hear that phrase and I go, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Well, a lot of people have a lot of miserable life stuff going on. And if they think God has been a part of things up to that point and it's been miserable, they may not think that God loves them or has a wonderful plan for their life, right? They might look at the misery and the pain of the world and they go, no, God doesn't love me and have a wonderful plan for my life because clearly it's been terrible and I blame him for it and what are you pitching to me, right? So I, I was never a great fan of that one. Uh, I was also trained in the one where it's like, hey, there's two cliffs and you're on one side and Jesus is on the other side and there's this chasm between you and for you to get from where you're at to Jesus, you can't jump, you can't hurl yourself across, and so he has to build a bridge, which is the cross, and only then can you cross from where you're at to where he's at. I always kind of struggled with that particular methodology. Then I was trained in evangelism explosion, EE, two critical questions that you ask if you were to die tonight and 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 stand before God, why should he let you into your heaven kind of thing? And I struggled with that one because I'm like, this is just not the way I would have a conversation with the person. This is not the way I'd pop the question to them in any sort of way. So I always struggle with the different tools. And maybe you're the same way. Now, I don't know. Maybe you're like, no, I can use those tools. They're the best for me. Maybe that's you. I don't know. But for me, I, I really struggled with it. And and so from that, I'm like, man, I, I, I do believe that the reason we're left in this world, we're still fogging a mirror and taking up oxygen and everything else is to bring Jesus to the world. It is, in fact, to be missionaries. It's to be ambassadors of this good news of Jesus and share that with other people. But here's the thing about evangelism I think is really important that I want to encourage all of us in today. Um, I think the most important part of this is not simply doing it, but I think it's an ownership that we're meant to do it, right? Like, this is what's supposed to happen. But as I've thought this through more, I, th I think what makes sharing our faith most effective is when we have an authentic ownership, not simply of the task of sharing our faith, but we have an ownership 
of our faith in such a way that we can't help but share it. And in sharing it, we're sharing it from the perspective or from the position of it being compelling for others because it's compelling for us. So what I'm going to really be kind of advocating for today in the podcast is compelling transfer of Jesus. It's compelling embodiment of Jesus. And then we're looking for the opportunities and options where we can share that, tuck that into the conversation. And from that, maybe people can go like, oh, you're a Christian. And hey, I see something different about you. Oh, and from that, uh, I want to know more because I think that's the lead in, right? Like the most effective, quote, evangelism any of us can engage in is lives that are so changed by Jesus, so in tune with the way that Jesus does things, that that acts as kind of an anchoring or a leveraging of credibility, right? Because I think that's so much about what outreach is about. It's credibility coupled to that idea of being compelling. And then from that, you get this opportunity to share Christ, right? Like all of that is sort of in there. And and here's what made me think about this a little bit. So I was talking to my wife, this was probably about a week and a half ago, and she was relating a story to me of evangelism gone wrong uh, at work, right? So my wife's a nurse, she works night shift at a local hospital, and she was talking with another nurse who had been teamed up with an individual for a long shift. And and the nurse she was talking to said, so get this, and and I, I think if I remember the story correctly or understand the dynamics, this individual that was sharing with my wife is not aware that Ellen is the wife of a pastor or anything like that. Um, but she goes, get this. I worked with so-and-so on this really long shift. And the whole time on the shift, uh, they were snarky. They were difficult. They were kind of rude. They were bitey with patients, bitey with me. Uh, just a very unpleasant journey through multiple hours, right? Uh, with this individual and whoever they were teamed up with. And then this person talking to my wife said, but then we went on break And that person had the audacity to then want to share their faith with me and invite me to go with them to church. And this person, their walk away was, I'm not only not interested in their Christianity, I'm now offended by their Christianity, right? So it was the inverse of evangelism. It was the anti-evangelism. It was the anti-witness. It was the anti-conversion. It's like you deconverted an unconverted person by way of your conduct and your tone. And this is always then going to be the first thing. Like if, if you listen to disbelieving people, I try to make it my habit to listen to disbelieving people often and actually take their critiques or criticism at face value and not get defensive because I think that's one of the things we're, we're prone to do is get defensive like, oh, well, they're unbelievers and they already have a hard heart and they're turned off and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, that's everybody until they're saved. So it's like, and, 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 you know, like that doesn't get in my way. I tend to listen to disbelieving people who are critical and go, they might have some points that I can learn from. So I don't make the same mistakes when it comes to what turns them off about our faith. I can't fix every problem. I can't, you know, kind of whitewash everything about the Christian experience and make it all neat, nice and tidy. I can't do that, but I can learn from things where I go, that's just bad behavior on our part. I can do things different, right? So in that case, what I kind of walk away from, and this is a big deal to me, it's that idea that our character and our tone and our responses in this world, all of that is like the the heavy lifting of sharing our faith. In other words, the way we start to share our faith is we actually let our faith dictate how we do life. 
We let our faith drive our conversations, our actions and reactions. As we're interacting with people, we're always thinking in terms of, man, I want to make sure that I'm representing Jesus well and all the different little things that I do so that then when I say something about my faith to another person, they don't go, ooh, now I know where it comes from, right? But rather they go, oh, that makes sense. Now I, I, I get it. Like your faith is important to you and it clearly plays out in all the things you do, right? I mean, this is why even weird things for me, like when I make a call to like an 800 number to deal with a problem, right? Even there, I try to be really, really pleasant, right? If I have to call like, you know, uh, my bank or I have to call a, a company that's going to install something at my house and there's some problems. I don't try to call and instantly have this posture of aggression or put outedness. Yes, I'm making up words. Um, but instead I go, hey, how are you? I'm sure it's been a rough time. I have no doubt that you've been in a s- stressful place too, but I got to solve these problems. Can you help me solve these problems? I'm constantly doing that um, in every way that I can whether I get an opportunity to share or not, just because, listen, the first thing is Jesus actually calls me to be different in the world and I should be looking to be different in all places, in all ways, in all contexts. When things are going my way or not going my way, I want to showcase Jesus and what I do because that may lead to an opportunity or an option, right? Because sometimes what happens in my world is there'll be something like that and I really work to be pleasant or whatever else. And then throughout that conversation or in some way it comes out that I'm a pastor or I go to church or whatever else. And I don't want it to be where they go, man, that guy was a jerk. And then I asked him what he does and he said he's a pastor. And now I go, well, I'm never going to that guy's church. That guy's a that guy's mean, you know, like we don't want that. So the first step in this is that we're always thinking uh, that we are on. We are on point, we're on stage, we are on display. And we want that to be like the the initial gearing of our life when we wake up in the morning, right? So uh, when we're out in public, when we're just walking down the road, when we're at work, when we're at school, when we're at some event, everything has that first and foremost thought of, wait, I represent Jesus and what I'm doing. When I'm driving on the 520, I represent Jesus and what I'm doing. And so if I just let somebody in, if they cut me off and I just wave and I give them a smile and say, it's okay, all of that is being a representative of Jesus. And that's that first thing. I think why that's important to me is you only get good at something if you practice. And when it comes to then this idea that our faith is on display and our actions, we then have to practice the Jesus stuff and everything. We have to start thinking with kind of like lenses over our glasses of life, right? That says, okay, everything that I'm engaged in, um, how would Jesus act, respond, comment uh, in these scenarios, right? And then you just have to get into the rhythm and the form of saying, that's how I'm going to make decisions in life. And that's how I'm going to act and interact with life, right? So I'm not going to get put out. I'm not going to get all frustrated. If I start to get into those spaces, I'm going to back it up a little bit and remind myself, wait, what would Jesus have me do? How would Jesus respond in this instance? And and what are the simple principles that I can operate off of to be more like Jesus. And it goes back to, he would put others before himself. He had this mindset of serving individuals. Like that was his thing. He was like, man, I'm going to say, forgive them. They don't realize what they're doing, right? When they cut me off, when they're difficult, when I get kind of stabbed in the back by somebody, when a company doesn't follow through on their stated claims or whatever it is like, okay, I'm going to think in terms of being like Jesus, right? Because the more you practice it, the more it'll be like that in your life. And then for the 
those times where there is the option or opportunity to close the circle and actually share that you come from a Christian background, that you go to church, that you read your Bible, that you're the praying type, whatever it is, all of that life stuff is subsidizing your statements. Because here's the reality. If the life stuff doesn't back it and you make any of those statements, your life stuff is also subsidizing those statements to the negative, right? Like the story I told with my wife's coworker where they're like, I'm, I am now less likely to go to church because you told me you go to church. You invited me to go after you were a punk. Like, I don't want it because of that. Specifically now, you've made it worse for me and I have less interest because of that. We don't want to be in that space because we don't want to stand before Jesus one day and say, you know what? I just live for me, but I threw your name around every once in a while. And is that good enough? He's like, what do you think of Boswell? You don't want to do it that way, right? So the first thing for everyday missionaries and everyday evangelists for normal people uh, is just be like Jesus. Just be like Jesus, right? Like, like, and, and from that, what I mean is start practicing and intentionally thinking about how would he do it? How would he sound with this? What would he, what would he say in this context? How would he, how would he react or respond to this problem? And, and never let up on the accelerator with that ever. In, in, in any venue, right? Because it's one of the things that was funny. I was telling Ellen I had to make a, a call with a company here recently and had the potential to be really difficult because the person, this is not an exaggeration. I think I'd called them six times and I had left two emails and no responses. So on Monday, I called again for like the seventh time and they answered and I was shocked. I'm like, wow, they actually answered. And I could have been like, hey, listen, I've called you six times. I've left two emails. Your company stinks. You don't know what you're doing. Like get responsible. I could give the whole riot act. And instead I was like, hey, I got through to you finally. I was thinking about you. I was thinking maybe you got like your life was tied up. Maybe something happened. I was just concerned about you. Is everything okay? And they're like, no, my life's fine. Just been busy. And I'm like, great. Hey, can we get tied up with this whole schedule thing? And, you know, like just everything is that, right? And it's that because first and foremost, I think that's the way Jesus would operate. Second, we should sow just some nice, pleasant disposition into the world because there's not a lot of it going around necessarily nowadays. But then the third thing is, hey, everything is then hopefully a hook in the water, an opportunity to share Jesus, all right? So I think about this from Colossians chapter four. He says this starting in verse five. He says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may now how, know how you ought to answer each person, right? So all of that's so good. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders. What is it that outsiders are going to be most critical of? I don't want to step in the things that they're most critical of. In fact, I want to disrupt the stereotype. I want them to go, wow, that Christian, that person was awesome. That person was living it out. That person is consistent. That person is truly gracious. Because one of the things that is so tragic is that Christianity, its uniqueness in the world is that it's rooted in grace. I think we muddy the water sometimes between grace and works. I think we muddy the water sometimes between grace and then these expectations we put on disbelieving people from a moral perspective or, or whatever else. Man, we, we should just be like, like, we're known for grace. We're known for a radical, undeniable, reckless grace. Like grace is reckless, right? And, and we should be known for that. So that's where, again, walk in wisdom toward outsiders. They don't think Christianity is gracious. We need to disrupt that stereotype and prove to them, no, the very foundation of the good news is grace, right? 
And he says, making the best use of the time. That's why in every instance and circumstance, uh, that's the time to kind of incarnate the spirit of Jesus in what we do, right? And then let your speech always be gracious seasoned with salt. Salt is flavorful. Salt, Salt is preserving. Salt gets your attention, right? And all the positive ways. And that's what we want to do, right? So in everything we're doing and everything we're saying, we're just building up equity for the opportunity to hopefully close the deal, right? So point one is you got to live it. I got to live it. We have to live in a way that is impeccable when it comes to grace, impeccable when it comes to generosity, impeccable when it comes to kindness, impeccable when it comes to being a different kind of people in the world where our expectations are not high. Our expectations are incredibly low. That that should be what a Christian does with the world. Our expectations should be, should be super low because what we believe in our theology is that everybody is separated from God. Everybody has a sin problem. Why should we have high expectations? I don't, I, sometimes I'm shocked by that when, when I see Christians kind of like applying all these ex- moral expectations to the world as though they should know better uh, or they should be playing by our rules or how dare they. I'm like, hey man, apart from a transformation of heart through the Holy Spirit, what, 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 what expectations should I have on them? On the flip, I think we should have incredibly high expectations of ourselves that we're really good at love and we're really good at mercy and we're really good at grace because we own the idea that, hey, uh, to the degree that we show mercy is to the degree we're going to receive mercy. To the degree that we are judgmental is to the degree we're going to be judged according to Jesus. Therefore, my expectations of others should be really low. My expectation of myself should be really high. Grace for them, truth for me, because I believe that the Bible is truth and it's if I believe it's truth, then I should be living it out and the way I can chiefly live that out, again, as those things like fruit of the spirit and the definition of love and the stuff I see in Jesus that I can then share with the world. So step one, again, is I must embody it in my own life and disrupt the stereotypes that people have about what it means to be Christian. Uh, I should embody grace. That's the first thing. The second thing, though, once I'm just trying to always practice that, is I also want to have in my thinking and my job is to help other people understand that the reason I'm different and the ways that I'm different is because of this guy named Jesus who came into the world, who lived the perfect life, died the sinner's death, rose from the grave to prove it was all true, and then imparts his goodness, righteousness to me so that I might live for him. And I want others to know the same, right? That's that close the loop and share the message. And the key, I think, for all of us as normal evangelists everyday people, right, is that we figure out the way to do that, that it's true to us. Like, that we take the time to sit down, and and you can write this down, you can <laughs> out loud practice this in your car, I don't know what it is, but you figure out the thing where you're like, man, if I was to share my faith, and I was to encapsulate why it's important to me, I would come from this perspective. So, in my world, uh, our church has a phrase, life is better with Jesus. That's pretty much my strategy, right? So I really try to embody it. I try to be different. And then when people find out, or I share with people, I'm a pastor, I'm a Christian, I'm a praying type. I go to church, I read my Bible, whatever it is, right? Um, then I have this opportunity to say, you know, here's the thing, man. I don't know where you're coming from. I don't know your faith background. In my world, life's just better with Jesus, right? That, that's, it's all, it's that simple for me, you know? And that's what I try to then share with people. Life is just better with Jesus. That's born out of John chapter 10, verse 10. He says, I came to give you life and give you life abundantly or abundant life, right? So I go, for me, my life's just more abundant with Jesus, you know? And, and, and then from that, it gives me all kinds of territory to share what that means or how that plays out. 
But for me, what I love about the idea of trying to share that with people, it's just as simple as my life's better with Jesus, um, is because it's not overly technical. It's not detailed. It doesn't try to make a defense of everything. It doesn't try to explain everything. It's just me trying to figure out, hey, how do I capture the essence of why I do this thing called Christianity? You know, like, why am I in it? You know, because there, everybody has different motivations. Everybody has different things that are really compelling to them in the Christian experience. And you probably do as well. And what your evangelism strategy should be is figuring out what's the thing that's most compelling for you to remain in this faith and then have that on the end or the tip of your tongue in conversations. Be ready to do that. It can be any number of things. So, so you know, again, maybe you just somebody has a problem at work or in life or at school or whatever else, and you just say, hey, I'll be praying for you, or how can I pray for you? That's a great evangelism strategy because, again, that's not common that people ask, hey, how can I be praying for your problem? And some people may love it. Some people may be bothered by it. Hey, but it's a great in, And it's very simple, low-hanging fruit. They go, oh, you pray. Okay, well, here's how you can pray for me. Like, that's cool, you know, or, hey, you know, I'd love to hang out with you on Sunday, but we're, we're, our family will be at church first, and then I'll be freed up probably by around, like, 1130. And so you guys want to hang out as a family, kind of family to family? We'll go do something. Like, that's a great way to do it. Like, hey, I go to church, right? You're always looking for ends that you can then bolt your conduct and character to your Christianity and your Christ-centered living and lifestyle, right? Like all of that is what we can tend to do. So the big idea is one part, how you carry yourself, and the other part that you care enough to figure out how to share how you carry yourself, why you carry, carry yourself the way you do, how to share that with other individuals and bring it back to Jesus, right? And some capacity to bring it back to Jesus. And your ultimate goal is to be able to share with somebody that, hey, God came in the form of Jesus, And Jesus gave himself for our sins, our offenses, our soul sickness uh, to bring us new life, abundant life, complete life, not easy life, right? But a life more fulfilled because he fulfills life. Like that's the thing that we want to share. And that just means it's a priority to us. I think the most effective form of evangelism for normal people is that we, we care enough to want to share that message And therefore, we care enough to have our lives back up that message because we care enough about Jesus's reputation and we want other people to know Jesus too. It just means it's a priority in the same way that maybe you go to the gym and that's a priority. And so you you, you make sure that happens every day or you have a health regimen that you want to stick to. So you make sure that happens every day or, you know, you have some show that you are loyal to and you make sure you never miss an episode, whatever it is, whatever your priorities are, then you tend to kind of run to those priorities and you engineer life around those priorities. I think the most effective way that we can then share Jesus is we just have that conscious decision that says, I want to engineer my life around the opportunity and the options of sharing Jesus with my world. And so I'm going to embody it. I'm going to look for ways to put it, little things into the conversation. And my ultimate goal is I want other people to know Jesus because I know Jesus. And maybe that's the last part. The last part of effective outreach is that we authentically know Jesus, not just dogma, religion, you know, a system, not just fire insurance. Like I believe in Jesus. I don't go to hell. No, really needs to be like that daily walking with invested in, um, you know, like, like falling more in love with and loyalty to Jesus. Like the more we do that, the more our faith will be real and the more it'll ooze out of our lives. Because really at the core, the most effective form of witness is not one that we have to fabricate. It's one that we can't help restrain. It won't be, you can't keep it back because it's just so flowing out and through our lives that you you just, you're doing it, man. It's just going to be a normal, natural thing. And that's where it's most effective. So we must be filled up 
to spill over. In the spilling over, we do it with our character and our conduct, but also finally our conversations, and we're driving that direction. It's what we want to do, right? It's just kind of creating the the atmosphere in which healthy Christ-centered conversation can come out in some way, and that it comes out in the way that's most natural for you, that you have solved that problem in your spare time to go, this is the way that I can most effectively share. And I think when we do that, when we do the homework, when we live out the expectation, when we have the commitment in those things, then we will be effective everyday missionaries.